Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. Last week, Pastor Andrew started this series, and he preached from Luke chapter 10, and he spoke about the parable of the Good Samaritan. Specifically, he talked about the priest and the Levite in the story, and and these two Jewish men, uh, they cared more about their ability to perform their religious duties than they did about helping another Jewish brother out. And in telling this parable, Jesus was suggesting that people and their needs should take priority over our personal agendas. Many times our personal agendas get in the way and, and we see needs, but we just don't want to do anything about it. We see lives in despair. We see people that are hurting, but because of our own personal agendas, we, we seldom stop to, to actually care. Uh, we should feel an overwhelming burden to serve our brothers and sisters in the body of Christ. That's what last night was about, about the volunteers that serve the body of Christ, serving each other. And, and that's what last week was about. That's, it was the, imp- the importance of, of recognizing the need to serve one another. But today, I want us to talk about the other guy in the story. I want us to talk about the Samaritan. So today, we're going to focus in, same story, same passage of Scripture, and we're going to look at the Samaritan. There was a Sunday school teacher that was telling her class the story of the Good Samaritan in which a man was beaten, robbed, and left for dead on the side of the road. And she described the situation in vivid detail so that her students would would feel the pain but also feel the compassion. And so after she, she told the story in detail, she asked the class, she said, if you saw a person lying on the roadside all wounded and bleeding, what would you do? And not one child in the class wanted to say anything. They, they all just kind of hung their heads and, and the whole room just sat quietly. And finally, the teacher asked one of the regular kids, one of the kids that comes to Sunday school every week, she looked at the kid and said, what would you do if, if you saw this, this person on the side of the road? And the little girl answered the teacher and said, I, I think I'd throw up. Because serving is not appetizing to most people. Serving is not appetizing to most people. It's not something that's just natural for us. It's because we don't naturally want to be inconvenienced. So if you walked into this room today and you feel like serving is not on your radar, it's not on your list of things to do, you're not comfortable with it, I want you to know you're in the right place and you're not alone because the majority of the room feels the same way. We're not comfortable with serving. It it gets us out of our comfort zone. It's not a natural response. It's not a natural desire for us. And if you think that serving people that are like you is difficult, Imagine how tough it is to serve people that are different than you. And that's really what I want to focus on today. Last week was about serving within the body. But what happens? What does it look like when you're called to serve people outside of the body? We don't wake up each and every morning and think to ourselves, today I want to be inconvenienced for someone that may or may not appreciate what I'm about to do. That's not what we think about. That's not our desire. And so I want you to turn with me to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, and remember now, this is Jesus telling a parable. 
A parable was, was a, a made-up story. Jesus is not trying to pull one over on anyone. They, they knew that he often taught in parables. But Jesus was a master at, at telling a, a parable, telling a story that had kingdom principles sown all through it, throughout it. And, and so Jesus would tell these parables uh, in hopes that, that, that people would understand the heart of God as, as, as he would speak these parables. And so Luke chapter 10, I'm going to start reading at verse 25. Luke 10, 25. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he, desiring to justify himself. That's an interesting phrase right there. Desiring to justify himself. Anytime you have to justify yourself, you're probably not doing what God wants you to do. So he said, but he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, and here's the parable. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Without rehashing last week, I want us to remember that the priests and the Levite were Jews. This is very important for this parable. It's very important for the message that Jesus is trying to get across to this crowd. The, Le the priest and the Levite, they were both Jews. And if, if anyone should have been willing to help this man, it would have been one of his fellow Jews. But in this parable, Jesus said that both the priest and the Levite avoided this man like the plague. It says that they passed by on the opposite side of the road, on the other side of the road. They didn't even want to get near him. They didn't want to get near his problems. Whatever was going on in their world and whatever was happening in their mind, they did not want his problems to interfere with their agenda. Maybe it was a religious thing. That was mentioned last week. Maybe it was a religious thing because according to the law, they could not perform their religious duties if they touched a dead body. And so maybe that's what it was. Maybe they were just too busy to give a care. You ever been too busy to really give a care? You're lying if you, if you say no. Sometimes we're just too busy to even care. Whatever the case in this parable, Jesus makes it very plain that these two Jewish men didn't take time for their Jewish countrymen. They didn't take time out of their schedule to care for his needs, for what he was going through in life. So with this Jewish crowd hanging on to every word, Jesus does the unthinkable. He does something that is going to catch everybody off guard. 
Because what he does is he makes the Samaritan the hero of the story. You have to understand that there was such racial tension between the two, between Jews and Samaritans. It was not a good thing. It was a tough, tough day and age, a tough atmosphere to be in. You have to understand that the term Good Samaritan did not exist at the time that Jesus was telling this parable. You and I know that term, Good Samaritan. We've heard it our whole lives. We've heard the term Good Samaritan, and we know what that means. But this parable had not yet been told, and so the term Good Samaritan didn't exist. We know what it looks like. A good Samaritan steps up and buys groceries for someone in need. A good Samaritan pays the electric bill for someone. A good Samaritan goes before you at the, in line at the coffee shop and buys your coffee but, and, and pays it forward. And so when you get there, you don't have to pay. That's a good Samaritan, at least in, in modern day terminology. But in the time of Jesus, the term good Samaritan didn't exist. In the eyes of a Jew... There was no such thing as a good Samaritan. Let me show you what I'm talking about. You've heard people say that there are good snakes and bad snakes. We know that there's some snakes that are just dangerous for us to be around. Uh, you, you know, they're, they're rattlesnakes, coral snakes, cottonmouths. These are not snakes that, that it's healthy for a human being to be around. Now, now, before you email me and you tell me that all snakes are God's creation and all snakes serve a purpose, I just want to remind you, so are roaches. Roaches are God's creation, right? But you will stomp the guts out of that thing before you let it live in your home, right? There's a such thing as a good snake and a bad snake. There's black snakes, rat snakes, king snakes. These are considered good snakes as they help keep the rodent population down. But my dad, in all of his wisdom, he always said, the only good snake is a dead snake. And that is exactly what the Jews thought. That the only good Samaritan was a dead Samaritan. I'm not even sure you and I can comprehend how much hate there was between these two people groups. I, I'm going to take a risk to try and explain this to you. It's not necessarily me saying this is how I feel, but, but, but I want you to understand this tension and how bad it was. It would almost be like, like Jesus sharing the parable the day after 9-11 and saying two Christians didn't get it right, but the Muslim did. There was so much hate between these two groups. The Jews didn't like the Samaritans and the Samaritans didn't like the Jews. And so to create that picture in your mind to let you know that a Jew thought the only good Samaritan is a dead Samaritan. Samaritans were considered the dogs of society by full-blooded Jews. 
They were viewed as inferior since they were the offspring of Jews and other people groups. They called them half-breeds. They wouldn't even refer to them as people. Samaritans adhered to a form of Judaism that they believed stayed true to Israel's beliefs before the Babylonian captivity that had happened hundreds of years earlier. They believed that those beliefs were preserved by those that stayed behind in the land and were not taken into exile. But the full-blooded Jews, much stronger in number, they were the majority. They held strong to what we call the rabbinical Judaism. Rabbinical Judaism. And, and, and they had this mindset that you haven't been through what our pure-blooded ancestors went through. Therefore, you cannot fully understand why we worship and you can't even worship the way that we do because you don't see life the way that we do. These two groups of people even disagreed on where to worship God. Samaritans would would worship God at at a place called Mount Gerizim. But, But Jews worship God in Jerusalem. And so they couldn't even agree on that. These two people were, were, were just polar opposites. They didn't, they didn't mix well, oil and water. They did not go together. Now, a few of you in the room, you know what it's like to be looked down upon because of your race. You know what it's like to be looked down on. I, I don't. It's, it's not something that I've had to go through in my life. And for some of you, some of your family members that are older, maybe even passed away now, they really knew what it was like to face discrimination. But some of you, you've been judged based on the, the tone of your skin rather than your intellect. You know what I'm talking about because you walk into a store and you're profiled because of your skin color or you're overlooked for the job because of your ethnicity. And and this is a form of racial discrimination. But yet there's others in the room, some of you, you know what it feels like to be looked down upon because of, of your religion. You know, people have labeled you a bigot a racist or, or maybe even a deplorable because of your strong convictions. It's too soon, right? too soon my bad I've been there I feel your pain but none of us have the same pain that the Samaritan had because understand that for the Samaritan this was the worst of discrimination as it was based both on race and religion we look down upon you because of the color of your skin and who you are the blood that's in your veins, and we look down upon you because of the way that you choose to worship. So imagine the audience when Jesus tells them that the Samaritan is the one that got it right. He's talking to Jews, and they hate these Samaritans. And Jesus says, the two Jews in the story got it wrong. But the Samaritan The one that you hate, he's the hero. He's the one that had the heart like heaven. He's the one that understood the heart of God. The target audience for this parable was not only the Jews, but particularly the lawyer that was asking the questions to Christ. He was well-versed in the law of Moses. And the last person that he would have picked to help a Jew was the very one that Jesus made the star of the story. 
No. If someone has to do the right thing in your made-up story, Jesus, then you let it be the Jewish priest or the Jewish Levite, but not that dirty Samaritan. You know, it's one thing to serve someone like you. It's happening today all over this campus, across the street, it's happening. People serving the body of Christ, our brothers and sisters in Christ, it's happening. It's a wonderful thing, but it's next level when you will go out of your way to serve someone who is not like you. It's a completely different kind of service to do something for someone that's different. Someone with a different skin tone. Someone with a different mindset. Someone with a different belief system. Someone with a different political agenda. Someone with a different worldview. Someone with a different sexual orientation. We've taken evangelism out of Christianity because we're not willing any longer to do something kind for someone who believes, looks, or acts different than we are. And that's what Jesus based his ministry on. He was called a friend of sinners. Jesus would focus on those that didn't go to church. They didn't go to synagogue. He would focus on those that were the dirty, rotten scoundrels of life. The ones that acted different, looked different. Those that didn't make God a priority in their lives. And what's happened in the church is that we forgot that part of Christianity. We've left the Great Commission out. If you come to us, we'll, we'll help you find Jesus. But God forbid we go to you and help you find Jesus. God forbid we, we show you with our lifestyle what it means to have a relationship with Christ. And even if you disagree with me, I will love you anyway. We have forgotten what, what that's like, but that is exactly what the Samaritan did. He got off his donkey and he helped someone that was different than him. He inconvenienced himself to reach someone that didn't like him very much. Someone who probably is not going to appreciate what he, what he has done. Someone that will probably never even say thank you. But let me tell you, if you want to change a life, care for someone that doesn't necessarily value what you value. We get so caught up within the confines of the four walls of the church where it's safe, where our kids are safe, where we don't have to face any type of disagreement. And I use this word very, very loosely, persecution, because I don't think the church in America really knows what persecution is. But we just want to stay safe. God forbid we see someone in need and we actually go out of our way to minister to their need in hopes that they might see the Jesus in us shining through. And if you want to see a life changed, if you really want to fulfill what God's called you to do, care for someone that doesn't value what you value. 
And I'll tell you, Mandy and I are doing that right now, and it is the most rewarding season for us because we're actually seeing a life change. And I'm not going to go into the details of it because I'm believing she's going to be here soon, and she's already started listening to our podcast. But through a death, we were connected with an individual She doesn't believe like we believe. Her lifestyle is different than our lifestyle. Mandy and I have started going to lunch with her the past few months. We go to lunch with her once a month. Why? Because she's hurting and she needs the love of Christ. And I'll tell you this, there's some of you in the room that you wouldn't give her the time of day. And I didn't ask for it but it showed up and now Mandy and I are starting to see the walls come down and we're starting to see her life come closer and closer to what God wants her life to look like even this past week she was sitting in a doctor's office and she looked over and saw somebody writing with a green and white pen that said DCC on the pen and she looked over, kind of playing dumb for a second, and said, you go to DCC? What do you think about that church? It was one of my council members, so he had to say the right thing. <laughs> She's starting to see the love of Christ in a very real and relevant way in her life. This only happens if you're willing to care for someone that's different than you, that they look at life different than you. Their worldview is not the same as yours. But Jesus targeted these people. He said, I didn't come for those that are well. He said, I come for those that are sick. And that became his target audience. We're so good at seeing hurt, pain, and injustice. But church, we've got to get better at responding to it. We'll wear the wristband for the calls, won't we? We'll do that. Some of you, you got enough wristbands on your arm, you can melt them down and create a spare tire for your car, couldn't you? Oh, we'll see an article and we'll repost it. Oh, it's a social injustice. People need to know and we'll share it out there. We'll, we'll even change our social media profile picture in support. We are so good at being empathetic, but we have to be more than empathetic. The church has to be more than that. We've got to do more than gripe, complain, repost, and retweet. What we've got to do is we've got to learn to get off our donkey and do something pun intended <laughs> we've got to get there we've got to become like the Samaritan in the story that says me and you we don't get along and you're probably going to hate me but I've got to do what God wants me to do because that may be the only way that you survive 
I want to give some of you some hope because you're still not there. You, you walked in here and you're like, I really didn't want to hear anything about serving, Pastor. This makes me very uncomfortable. Um, you know what? Today I'll sign up and, and I'll you know set out chairs next week or whatever you want me to do. But please don't ask me, Pastor, to go outside of these walls and, and connect with any other human being that doesn't see life the way I see it. They don't worship the same God that I worship or they don't worship God at all. They, they, they don't dress the way I dress. Uh, they, they don't have the same political views that I have, please don't ask me to minister to those people. And if that's you right now, and that's where you're at, don't worry, don't worry. Because if you've made Christ king of your life, I want you to know you're in, you've made it, you're going to heaven. If you've made Christ your king, if you never do a good deed, you can spend eternity in heaven. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9 says, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and, and this is not of your own doing, it is the gift of God not a result of works so that no one may boast. It's not about your works. As a matter of fact, you are not saved by your works, but you are saved for good works because verse 10 says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You were created to serve. You were created for good works. I'm just afraid that some of us are going to get to heaven and we're going to realize that we should have done so much more. I don't have time to get into it today, but, but, but I've taught this before and I have scripture to back this up. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't work enough. You can't serve enough to get to heaven. Jesus paid that price for you. But when we get to heaven, we will be rewarded in heaven according to our works. What you've done here, you, you will not be rewarded with salvation by your works. Jesus did that for you. But when you get there, you will be rewarded for what you did for the kingdom of God. You will be rewarded for your works. And some of us, we're going to get there one day and, and we're going to see other people walking around with, with great rewards. And we're going to be like, man, I should have done that. I had that opportunity. I should have done that. Let me tell you what I'm looking forward to. And I don't know if heaven's going to be like this or not, but man, this is my dream. I'm hoping that there's going to be that moment when he allows me to see the lives that I was able to impact, young and old. I'm praying that he lets them come to me. Man, I picture, I picture kids hugging my legs. I picture grown men hugging me and crying, saying, thank you for the Jesus that you introduced me to. I don't know if it's going to be like that, but man, who have you touched? What life have you impacted with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Did your light shine before them? Did they see his love at all? Titus 2 and 14 says, He gave his life to free us from every kind of sin, to cleanse us and to make us his very own people, totally committed to doing good deeds. He did what he did so that we would be totally committed to doing good deeds. James, the brother of Jesus, in chapter 2, verses 14 through 18 says, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? 
So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works and I'll show you my faith by my works. He said, I will show you my faith by what I do. By the way that I love other people and by the way that I love people that are different than me. Those that need Jesus, I will show you my faith by the way that I serve them. He said, your faith without service, without works, it's flatlined, it's dead. There's no pulse to it. Your faith without works is dead, but now you've got the opportunity to show your faith through your works. Man, we have an opportunity, church, to show our faith, to show everyone that we come in contact with what it means to be a Christian. That yeah, we may not agree with your lifestyle, but you know what? Jesus still died for you. He died for you just the way that you are. And and, and even though we don't agree, I can love you anyway. To realize that we are saved to serve. And next Sunday, we get to do it. It is by far my favorite day of the year. It's going to be an amazing day. Because some of you, you're going to go to certain areas and you're going to serve people that will never tell you thank you. Trust me. I've been picking up roadside trash for enough years and, and, and people drive by. I've, I've actually watched them throw something out the window as I'm picking up trash. I've watched it happen. And we just pray God bless them anyway. You're going to serve in areas that people will not appreciate what you're doing because they don't even appreciate their area. We clean it one year, the next year it's just as dirty as it was the year before, but that doesn't matter. We're going to serve people that you won't even know their beliefs. You won't even know what their their moral standards are, but yet we're going to serve them. We're going to rake their yards. We're going to pick up trash. Pass out gas cards. Pressure wash. Paint. Build ramps. And they may or may not say thank you. But if just one person, if only one out of hundreds of people going out and serving, if just one person comes to know Jesus Christ through that effort heaven explodes with celebration I don't know about you but I would rather stand before God with that agenda than anything else that wants my time it's my favorite day Not because I'm good at it. Not because it's natural. Because it's on that day that I feel like I'm the good Samaritan. That even though our lives didn't match up, even though our lives didn't look alike, 
that's the one that Jesus said got it right. And I just want to be that guy. So next Sunday we get to do it. We get to, to be the good Samaritan. We get to be the one that goes out of his way to serve someone else in need. Taking a risk with it because they may never say thank you. They may never appreciate it. But one person might. And they might see the love of Christ different than they've ever seen it before. One of my favorite parts of Serve Day is our work at the cemetery. I know some of you, you, you look at it and you go, why? Why are we raking and cleaning a whole cemetery? It's because one person's going to show up mourning a death, missing someone through the holiday season, and they're going to show up and realize somebody cared enough to clean that grave. And it's going to impact that one person. Who's God calling you to reach out to? We'll do that corporately, but who is God calling you to reach out to? Who just looks different than you? Who acts different? Who has different standards, different morals? Who is it? It's easy to serve the body. It's easy to serve within the family of Christ. But it is not easy to reach out to someone who is different. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.